Welcome to the Let's Talk About Parenting podcast with me, Laura, and my lovely mum, Ruth. Hi, everyone. Together, we'll be discussing all things parenting, from education to mental health and everything in between. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Parenting podcast. I'm Laura Curtis. I'm an educator and the founder of Quest to Kids, an online educational game for kids aged 7 to 12 to learn about the world around them. And I'm here with my mum, Dr. Ruth, a child psychiatrist. Hi, everyone. Um, and today we have another interview with Gemma Bird, who is also known as the Money Mum. We're going to be talking about money, awareness about money, ways to save money, and also talking about money with kids because we know that can be a a kind of complicated topic especially if you have your own money stuff to be able to talk about kids to to talk about money with kids so that's going to be a really interesting chat but uh to begin with as always we start by talking about a famous woman Uh, that's because quest of kids strongly incorporates the stories and histories of women around the world so we think it's now is a great time to uh, to talk about some of the women that we found during our research process Um, and I found a really really good one this week her name is Joan Bamford Fletcher so I'm doing research for the Canada Country Quest at the moment Um, and I'm actually not going to include Joan in the Country Quest because it's a bit too far away from what I want to talk about on the Canada Country Quest and might be a little bit complicated for kids but it's such a cool story that I want to tell you about it anyway. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing about her. I've never heard the name. So so tell me more. Yeah, I never had either. So she was, she's Canadian woman. She was born in Saskatchewan. And um, she, during the Second World War, she joined the Canadian Red Cross as a driver. And at the end of the war, she got sent to Sumatra in Indonesia. And one of the things that was happening was basically that the Japanese had surrendered and kind of stopped fighting but there were no allied troops to kind of come and and take over and there was also a nascent indonesian independence movement happening at the time so there was a lot of chaos a lot of people kind of fighting with each other working out where all the guns were it was a very unstable time but there were still quite a lot of prisoners of war including women and children particularly dutch women and children in indonesia Um, and they were in a pretty rough state they were sick Um, They'd had a pretty rough time in the POW camps. And so somebody needed to go and help them get back to Europe, basically, from the interior of Sumatra. But there weren't any allied military personnel available. So so this woman, Joan Fletcher, basically decided to do it herself. She found some local Japanese troops and basically read them the riot act and got them to give her an interpreter, trucks... Um, a military escort, and she personally supervised the extraction of 2,000 Dutch women and children from POW camps, got them to the coast and got them on boats to go back to Europe. She was a pretty impressive woman by all by all accounts. Um, she would regularly, you know, tell the Japanese soldiers exactly what to do. At one point, uh, an Indonesian rebel tried to take over one of the... Um, one of the vehicles and drive it off uh, along with the women and children inside and she just yelled at him so loud that he ran away apparently <laughs> um, and never That's came back really again. impressive yeah exactly she was really she was really amazing um 
and she would uh, at one point she she got into an accident she got dragged under one of the vehicles um, and was was had a head injury and she just kind of carried on and so a lot of the Japanese troops who were um, helping her assisting her thought that she was superhuman and and, you know just this sort of terrifying creature and actually apparently there's there's sort of mentions that lots of the Japanese soldiers said that they knew now that they didn't want a European wife because they were much too scary. (laughs) But actually how healing for the women and children she was rescuing because they must have you know felt so powerless during that during that period it must have been terrifying and and actually to have a woman coming along and standing up for them and sorting things out must have been truly, you know, inspiring, reassuring, just wonderful. Really, really wonderful. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. She was, she was great. And uh, it's funny, she didn't, you know, she wasn't particularly well known when, by, when she went back to Canada, she actually ended up quite sick and ended up having to have some major surgery. But interestingly, later on, there were reports that the Japanese unit that she'd worked with, um, that she'd sort of, she'd sort of forced into helping her um, rescue these people now considered her to be on their their military units on a roll of deceased veterans because they were so impressed by what she did wow do you know anything about what happened at the end of the war what you know apart from after she recovered from the surgery do you know anything about what happened to her uh she served in poland for a while i think she was involved in in quite a lot of the sort of i don't know what we would maybe call the the clear up after the war and uh she stayed there she stayed in poland until the 50s i think um and then ended up going back to canada but yeah she was just just a really really impressive impressive woman and i don't want to put her in the in the canada country quest because i really want to make sure that we're there's space to focus on canada and canada's role in in you know in the indonesian campaign is not really what what i want there's so much so many other things that i want to talk about and also it can be complicated to talk to kids about prisoner of war camps and all sorts of other things there's a lot of missing pieces that have to be filled in before you can tell her story but i still think she was just super super impressive she sounds awesome she sounds awesome maybe you should do one of your famous women badges about her even though she's not actually in one of the quests yeah maybe i should maybe i should just for for other people okay well brilliant absolutely brilliant thank you for that laura no problem all right let's move on now to our interview where we're going to be talking to Gemma bird also known as the money mum Okay, without further ado, let's introduce our guest. She's Gemma Bird, aka The Money Mum. She's an author and all-round money expert for everyone, including mums. She's written a Sunday Times best-selling book called Money Mum, Save Yourself Happy. Um, Hi, Gemma. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Nice to meet you. (laughs) So, Gemma, tell us about your journey. How did you get into kind of saving, saving money, thinking about money, this kind of money journey that you're on? How did it start? It started really from the age of about seven. I just was always interested in saving money. Um, I think when I was growing up, mum sort of always was like, oh, you can't have that, we can't afford that. And I always thought, oh, you know, especially when you're a kid, well, I want that. So how can I get the money to earn that? So it was always that I was washing people's cars, being a mushroom picker, saving up. I remember I wanted to save up to take my mum for dinner. I wanted to save up for my first car. It's just something that was instilled in me. And then obviously there was no social media around when I was growing up. Um and I'd had both my children, and I remember I went for a coffee with another influencer, and they were saying they you know how they 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 had a career online that's just sharing their life, and I thought, well, 
it's been obviously the way I am with uh, business minded and money. I thought, well, I could share what I do and all my money tips um, and how I save and how actually you don't need to stand there with like the most amazing outfit on to be anything special. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, being in debt or being able to say, no, you can't afford something and not keeping up with the Joneses type thing. And I just thought, I'm just going to share that, you know, I've paid my mortgage off. I've never been on a really high wages, but I've done it on a small amount of money by making big, making loads and loads of little changes throughout the year to save up for the big things I want. And I still do that now, even though I am I'm in a financially good situation. I thought, well, now I've sort of reached a situation where I am mortgage free. I feel like I could talk about my story because obviously there's no point in talking about something unless you've physically done it or you've walked in those shoes. So yeah, yeah. because I'd always never had money um, and always been on the low income and had to save, 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 save. And I think that's always going to be instilled in me now. Like I'm still like, I so value a £10 note. Um, and even when my friend says to me, oh, but you don't really need to, you know, you've got your money now, you've got your home. I'm, I'm just not like that. I'm always going to be looking for the best deal. It's who I am. So it wasn't really anything really I created. I just went online and I just started blogging and saying, oh, hi, this is what I've saved, this is what I've saved. And originally my page was called Bird Watching because I'm Gemma Bird. So it was about watching our family and money tips. And I didn't create the name Money Mum. Basically, my followers did. People started just saying to me, oh, Money Mum, Money Mum. So I was doing those for days. So then another influencer messaged me and said, I think you should change your name to Money Mum. And I couldn't get it, so I could get Money Mum official. And I thought, yeah, that's it's so fitting to me because I'm, I love talking to people. I'm enjoying my journey. I'm now working on here, which is fantastic because I can provide for my family. And I'm sharing money tips. And I'm doing something I feel was a bit different. It was obviously before sort of cost of living or anything came about people were really talking about money they are more now but it was very very I think very very fresh and very very new when I started it yeah definitely because I think it's also something that as women there's an idea of like oh men like my husband will deal with the money stuff whereas you are like you're specifically talking not necessarily only talking to but you're talking to mums and you're talking to other women about money and becoming financially literate and all that kind of stuff yeah, and young as well, like teenagers yeah. I'm really passionate about, like 16, 17, 18 year olds, I wish more of them followed me because I just believe that's when you're probably at your most richest in your life. If you're still living at home with mum and dad, you might be paying a small yeah. amount of housekeeping, you could be earning two grand a month. That's the stage where if they're giving mum and dad, say, three, four hundred pound a month, they've got like a surplus of sixteen hundred pounds. They could be putting away a thousand pounds a month. Like yeah. over two years, that's twenty four grand. That's nearer like getting on deposits for their first home. So that's what I'm really passionate about and that's what I did and I wanna like try and get lots of young people talking about that or even other mums talking to their children about that um I think it's very very important and also again at the other end of the scale it could be that you know you you were married for a very long time like my mother-in-law um tragically we lost my father-in-law but he'd always dealt with the finances she's in her late 70s coming on to 80s and she doesn't know how to deal with finances so I also want to talk to women like that so it's, it's for everybody across the board really yeah, there's everyone could stand to learn a little bit more about money and yeah, feel more yeah. comfortable talking about it as well because it can be a kind of a difficult topic for people, you know, especially in, in being British, we sort of say, you know, don't talk about money, don't talk about money. But actually, we need to be talking about money. Yeah, and I think because we're grown up, we, we grow up with that exactly that mindset, like don't ask someone what they earn, don't don't talk about money. It's instilled in us so much that we then feel we can't even talk about when we're in debt or when we don't understand money because we're told so much we're not allowed to talk about it. Like we talk about everything. I could walk into a room and ask you, who are you with? How long have you been with them? Have you got kids? Do you want kids? Like, yeah. oh, has he ever cheated on you? Do you think you'll be together forever? I can ask up the most personal questions, but if I walked in and was like, how much do you earn a year? How much do you pay for your house? <laughs> 
you'd think that's horrific, not me asking if your partner had had an affair. You know, it's, it's crazy, really, like, <laughs> the way that that's, like, the worst question you could possibly ask. Yeah, like, yeah. But it's just the way we're, I suppose, the way we're brought up. Yeah, it's funny. I, so I split my time between the UK and the Netherlands because my husband's Dutch. And in the Netherlands, they, like, they will ask you any question about money. Like, it's super common to have a stranger ask you, like, how much you earn, how much your house costs. And it's really funny when, when somebody asks you that, it sort of feels like you've been shot. You know, like, it's so shocking as an English person to be asked that. <laughs> You're like, how dare you? And even when you explain to Dutch people, like, that's a really rude question for an English person. They're like, oh, but, but still, how much does your house cost? <laughs> like, you get it? So it's kind of refreshing in one way, but it's also, like, a bit stressful as well. <laughs> yeah. Gemma, can, can I ask you something? You were, you've mentioned a couple of times about your background. Do you, I mean, are your parents people who have the same view and philosophy that you do? Or, or is this something that you've sort of learnt almost despite your family? <laughs> Which is um, sometimes why people take a particular course. What, what's, your, what's, your, what's the backstory to all this? Yeah, I mean, I would say that Dad, no, he was not really... He'd openly sit here and say now, like, yeah, I'm not really bothered. Like, if I've got it, I'll spend it sort of thing. He was that sort of character and still is. Mum, definitely, she will watch every single solitary penny. She will be like, you, ca- if you have not got that money, you can't buy it. Unless you've got the money in your bank and it's interest-free, it makes sense to do it on a sofa or whatever. Um, Mum was always like that. And she was like, oh, I don't really care what such and such has got at school. You, you, We can't afford for you to have it. And even if I could afford for you to have it, you're not having it because I don't think you should because you're eight years old or whatever so she was a very old school mum um and god thank god she won't listen to this but yeah probably like I've turned into her a bit with my kids they're like like Brody will be like you can so afford that it's only two pound or whatever and I'm like well I don't really care you're not having it um because I want him to have the same view you know I've always been a believer like I remember my mum and my dad when I went to college they'd never really given me pocket money um, but instead of paying for like my bus fare and my food at college and things like that, like I had a little Saturday job, um, mum was still buying sort of my, I was like 15, 16, mum was still buying like deodorants and things like that. So I remember my dad, I think it was about £10 a week. I could be wrong. It could have been five. Um, they said to me, but we're going to give you this money, but out of it, you can either walk to college or get the bus. You've got to buy your deodorants. You've got to buy your makeup. You've got to buy this. And when you're 17, you've got to get like a full-time job to support yourself. And I remember, like, the first week I spent it like that, I was like, I went to the cinema, I think, it's gone. So I went to Dad, and I was like, can I have some more money? I want to go to the cinema, my friend Jennifer. He went, no, you don't get your money till next Saturday. And it was like the Sunday. I went, well, I've spent it. And he's like, you can't go to your boss at the end of the month, Gemma, and say, oh, I'm really sorry, I've spent all my money because I've been to the cinema with my friend Jennifer, and now I want to go here. Life doesn't work like that. Like, you've got to now wait. So straight away, that then made me think. And I remember thinking from really like as I say about 16 walking up to the to the bus stop and before when mum and dad were paying for me I was just getting the bus every day because I was thinking well my mum and dad are paying and I remember I walked up and I had this 10 pounds and I thought well that's like gonna cost me like 150 or whatever it was two pound at the time return if I walk there I'll save myself money so it just was always the way I was I was always thinking well no I'm gonna save that up because I want to buy that top for 20 pounds for example so I'd save up my like my monthly my weekly allowance and it did really make me budget them being really really strict with me has made me really financially secure I like me enough and I've never ever earned high wages 
until in my sort of I'm 42 in August until really I've hit 40 I've started earning well um but I hadn't been all my life before that so I think even though now I've still got all those beliefs because I've had 40 years of it drummed into me like a tenor's a tenor you must do this you must do that and also a really good understanding of like the consequences of like if you make this choice okay but then you don't get that 20 quid top like if you do take the bus then you don't get this and I think when kids get money handed to them without having to think about it they don't get to recognize how those consequences work in quite the same way of course because we'd all like you know i've had sort of i suppose what you call them trolls say oh you've got a rich dad like oh my god if i had a rich dad 100 percent, i'd be fleecing him for like a ferrari or something of course i would <laughs> i'm a girl of course i'd be trying to tab him up like literally my dad's so not he literally i think over the years he keeps going on about how he gave me 20 pound months to go to cheshire and with my friends it's like a running joke in the house so yeah of course he would like i'm 41 years old now my dad through the door and was like here's a check for 10 grand i'd be like thanks dad amazing like so you imagine then you give that to a 15 16 17 year old they're going to be buzzing and think oh i'll spend it because it's it of course it's nice when someone gives you money like i'd be sitting here lying now if, if i was said oh, i want lot someone to walk in now and give me a million quid of course i would what an absolute touch but that's not life is it and it's not reality no no and if you do get it from your dad he's the only person who's going to give it to you so yeah my dad that. it's def- i'm definitely not getting it from my dad so <laughs> there'll be about a pound left <laughs> he goes on holiday every 30 seconds <laughs> well good for him yeah Gemma, I'm really interested in what you said, the thing you said your mum said to you, which was, we don't have to have that just because they do. Um, And I was just thinking that that's such a pressure that children, I think, particularly feel themselves under and put their parents under, that sense that so-and-so's got these, you know, these football trainers, trainers, you know, whatever, latest phone. And, And I'm just sort of thinking of the the self-confidence that you must have developed as as a child to accept and understand that philosophy um, rather than, you know, if if I'm going to get that thing, it's because it's the thing I really want, so I'm gonna save for it and I'm gonna make it happen. But if I can't have it, I can't have it, and that's okay. Yeah, I think there's a split thing with that. Like, it's really funny that you mentioned trainers because I really wanted LA gears. And there was these two girls in my class and they had them and mum bought me Woolworths Nick's version of them. Yeah. Honestly, she ruined my life for about two years. She couldn't physically afford to buy them, but it was the one thing I remember when I was a child and I thought, when I have kids of my own, if there is a specific trainer they want, I'm going to save up and buy it for them. And I actually did for Brody for Christmas. He was like, I really want Nike Air Max. But I didn't get them for him as an everyday thing. I said, you can have that as your Christmas present and that'll be your main Christmas yeah. present. So I let him have it. So that is something. Again, it's you learn and there's, you either go one way or the other, don't you? You think, I'm going to do that or absolutely go the opposite. And yeah, with yeah. that, I definitely went the opposite. So there's lots of things I have installed, but I suppose that particular thing always remains with me about those smallest trainers but everything else to be honest with you I don't remember any of it it's that one thing that one trainer that was obviously really important to me and mum even says now maybe I should have saved up and got you those particular that was the one thing you really wanted but everything else I don't remember I don't care about like and kids don't remember so 99% of the things there's always going to be that one thing that you have as a child and you think I really wanted that and I never got it off my mum and dad but the other 99% of things like it's fine to say no to your kids. Yes, it's lovely to say yes and treat them, and I think you should, and I think that's a lovely thing to do. 
them getting something lovely and you giving it as a parent, it's, it feels really special. But at the same time, giving them everything they want is not, I, I don't believe is setting them up for reality no. in life. No matter how rich you are, it's not about what you've got. They've still got to go out and get their own job. And then when that mortgage payment's due and then bills, if they're used to thinking they can have everything they want, they'll, they could in later life but keep buying everything and then not have the money to pay that. And then constantly yeah. you're, it's, a, it's the banker mum and dad then. And you want you want your children to stand on their own two feet. Yes, of course you want to help them. It's lovely if parents have got deposits for children for their first homes. I'm all for, you know, helping your kids out. It's, if you can do that, that's fantastic. But, they, but you also still need to learn money management for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So now that you're obviously a mum, did becoming a mum like change your spending habits or your saving habits? Or it sounds like you've had a pretty consistent kind of set of behaviours all the way through since you were a kid. Or did it change at all? Or N- not um, the things I bought? Yes, obviously, um, <laughs> but not my spending habits or things because it's just it's just who I am. It's yeah. exactly it's who I am as a person. It's so when the children came, I was I was fine to go about things because it's who I was. But there was times where I definitely felt really anxious and really worried about money because obviously I wasn't then working um and you've got another mouth to feed and I suppose like social media or whatever it was I think oh everyone's got this like I can't afford to do that so there's loads of times in my life where I felt like that definitely and worried and anxious about money even though I'm good at managing if there's not enough coming in and you're not being able to go out and have a meal with your friends or do certain things and it does make you miserable you know they say money doesn't buy happiness but that's I don't believe that comment at all I've had times where I've had no money and it makes you miserable and it also if you if you can't put food on your table for your kids and you can't put a roof over your head then that's not making you happy is it so you need a certain amount of money to to live um and, and and to have the odd treat because that's what we work for right we do we do work to have you know nice things so I do think being a mum makes you look at things that possibly I bought before I had the kids differently mm. do you get what I mean as in like yeah, yeah. I might I buy myself now, yeah. extra clothes and then I'd think well if I can't have that as long as Brodie or Bronte can have it that's the main thing because I do think as a mum you do put your kids first don't you you're like yeah. oh as long as my kids can have it in fact I get more I get so much more pleasure buying for the kids than I ever do me but I've got obsessed <laughs> especially with a Bronte it's all the frills I'd had a boy first when it was so cute all like the little like things I could get you like with a little polo deck so then you have bronzes you've got the tutus but again I'd go on like eBay and things like that I've never um anything that the kids have ever had designer is because I've made a profit on it I've gone on eBay bought it from last year let them wear it for a year mm. and you you can resell designer things for really good money so they both had like Montclair coats a couple of years ago one of my mates was like I'm really shocked that you bought the kids that and I was like why I'm gonna make so much money on them coats she was like what <laughs> she was like well I knew there'd be something to it I was, I was thinking Gemma's kids in Montclair coats and I was like I bought them both for 100 quid each on eBay and I think I sold them for like 150 or 200 quid like two years later but it was if I bought a coat from next for 50 quid I would have probably yeah. sold it for a tenner and lost money so there's there's yeah. sometimes some effort to my madness so things like that I, they've had and I'm really not making money on them but majority of the time the changes in money is you do just spend it on your kids and not you really. You you yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. become the person that's like, oh, whatever, I have it whenever, I have it later in yeah, life. Yeah. It's funny, I went to a, um, a friend of mine just had a baby and I went to a secondhand kids shop here uh, and it was amazing, all the stuff that you can get, all these amazing clothes for dirt cheap, absolutely dirt cheap, lightly used because kids, you know, especially small kids, barely wear them before they're out of it and then yeah they've gone to a different size so it's a real 
gold mine. Yes, second hand is fantastic. I think Brody only Brody and Bronte when they go to Poundland, they go to me. Can we go to the toy store because like once a week, once a month, I take them in there and they could have a toy from there because they didn't mm. know the value of it. It was just going to get a toy. Yeah, um, so when they were young, thing. and even now, Bronte's like, "Oh, can I have a toy?" But even like again what we're talking about with money she'd be like can I have two and I'd be like no you can have one of course I can afford to buy enough one they're like a pound well they're not a pound each now they're about two pound uh, the pound <laughs> store is now like a fiver but do you see what I mean in, re- in real terms I can afford to buy two toys but it's not that it's the principle of I've said to her she can have one I don't yeah. want her them thinking she can have more than that like I said no you can have one toy so you pick your one toy and we'd be in Poundland so I know like the maximum things she's going to pick is a fiver and again at four years old she doesn't know how much that item is she could pick something up for 100 pounds or 50p she's no idea she's like yeah. oh I want this dolly comes home and plays with it and of course 24 hours in she just wants the next thing so I've yeah, never yeah, spent yeah. money on toys for them because they get bored don't they let's face Absolutely. it yeah so um so presume, I mean, you're obviously you're teaching your kids all the time because they're watching you, but are there specific things that you're teaching your kids about money and how to manage money and like create a budget and that kind of thing? How are you approaching that or planning to approach that as your Bron- kids get older? Yeah, Bronte's only four, so I'm definitely not going to start doing anything like that with her. She's a baby and I want her to enjoy her life. But there's there's the instilledness of you can't have everything. And I do say to her now, even at four, I'm like, no, that costs money, Bronte. Put it back. We've had one today, haven't we? So I do say things like that. And Brody's now 10, and he does say things to me like, oh, gosh, mum, that's a lot of money. Yeah, no, we, better, we, we won't get that then. No, I understand that and things like that. Because, again, I've done those steps with Brody. Um, and he's only 10 at the moment, and he's only really just started to sort of I suppose get into money slightly over the last I would really say couple of months like Mm. he said to me if I do something can I get paid for that and I thought okay now he's starting to sort of understand it more and more so I was like well what is it that you want and he's like oh I want robux this robux thing because I always say to him you can have it if you've done well at school whatever so I reward him so he's like oh if I do this can I get robux and I said well you know, so he's he's now starting to understand it. So I'll probably wait till he's in senior school, probably, and then I'll start talking to him more and more. But he knows he's got a bank account. When he gets his mm-hmm. birthday money, he pays it into there. I've shown him. I've, I've I have spoken to him. Me and Adam have sat him down and showed him like the interest he's made that year and things like that. So, but we've done it very 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 lightly. But there's no right or wrong with it. I just think just starting to talk about it a little bit. But I don't want to ram it down a four year old or a ten year old's throat. No, I, I think it no, comes no. for me. And I'm not saying I'm right. If someone else is doing that young, I always say that there's no right or wrong of anything in life. Are you parent? We're all different. But I will probably do that when Brody's a little bit older and I will do something like uh, a weekly pocket money and I will definitely be doing, that's one thing I will be doing that my parents did. I won't be giving top-ups. So like if it's £20 a week, for example, and he's got to get his drinks at school is this that I won't be replacing it I'm, I'm gonna I want him to learn how to manage how to budget and manage money that's probably how I will do it because it worked for me so I'll probably yeah 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 pass that trait down <laughs> one of the things that I've seen parents doing particularly in the US more and more is like giving kids pocket money but then saying like there's a percentage that they have to save and a percentage that they have to give to charity and then the rest is like savings like like spending money like fun money would you do something like that or do you think it's better to just give them give them their money and let them do what they want with it yeah I think that's a really interesting idea my husband's actually spoken about that before he said like spend half we do spend half save half and mum used to do that um and I do think I may do something like that but I may probably more talk to them about it because when I get paid the day I always get paid I've always put my savings in and then I've always had my spend money um Mm -hmm. 
and I've tried, even if I've earned more money, if I've needed it, then obviously I've needed it, but I try even now my wages are better, I still sort of pay myself slightly more because cost of living's gone up and I've got certain changes in my world, but I still sort of allow myself similar weekly weekly money and yeah. if there is something extra I want so I'll probably do that more with Brody like okay you've got your birthday money again more when he's like 11 12 13 I'll say okay you've got 100 pounds what do you want to do with it do you want to put it all in your savings because he keeps going on about he wants his first car for example he's already thinking of that which <laughs> oh, is wow. great he's been putting it him. he's been putting it away for years honestly he's he's halfway there I'm telling you already <laughs> he's me right. um and uh, and that's all from what other people have given him all over yeah. the years. Like, oh, he did it for the first sort of five years. And then for the next five years, he goes like, oh, all in my account. I don't want anything. I want all in my account. So everything he's ever been given, like even like if he's been out and friends or nan and granddad's given him a fiver. So I think he's going to be like me. He's going to be like 100% in savings. Right, yeah. you're probably going on her. She'll probably want to go shopping and blow the, the whole hundred pound. because She's a little <laughs> bit of a Miss Diva at the moment. And we're definitely having to rein her in. She's like, I've worn this dress once I've already worn that you need to buy me a new one that was her very words to me yesterday and I was literally like what like I'm not like this at all I was like well I don't care you're not having a new one but she's four again so it's you know it's taking it with a pinch of salt isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely and there's and there's something to be said for like small kids not having an idea about money they don't need to they get to have like that's probably the only time in your life when you don't have to worry about money or think about money so embrace it fun. Right? you're a baby right enjoy yeah, yourself exactly, exactly. <laughs> and i and i think that's a great feeling isn't it like if you give your child some money like with the allowance being like i said that i'll I'll, I'll definitely do with my kids it makes them stop and think because the minute they go into a shop and they're like, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? You buy me it two seconds later. Can I have that? Can I have that? If yeah. you bought me it two seconds later, can I have that? It's like, and if I said no, you was in the shop with me, they'd be like, can you get that? Like, you know what I mean? There's no filter on a kid, is there? They get no. bored. So, but when you give them their money and they realise that money, once they part with it, to they have that money to buy that thing. That money then goes and it doesn't get replaced. It does psychologically put something in your place. Like, hold on a minute. I give that over because maybe it's an allowance or maybe I've cleaned my mum and dad's car or I've done so, I've done well at school, but it's gone. So then I have to go and work or do well or get that thing again to do that. And that's what I'm doing now with the Robux. Like that's what he wants is the Robux. And I said, if you get um, ones and twos in effort, I've always, I've never said about grades, I'm on effort. You know, if you try your best, because yeah. his last report, I think were like twos and threes, which were like good and satisfactory. I said, I want to see ones and twos, which means you're giving 100% effort, which is like excellent. And I will give you 10 pound Robux. So when he came in his review report, he said, oh, open it, open it. And he said, it's all ones and twos. And every single one was. And he Aww. felt so happy. And straight away, he's like, we need to go to Tesco's and get that Robux. And he's gone on and on about it. And we did the other night. And he's really happy about it. And straight away, he's come out. He's like, if I get all ones next time, can I get £20 Robux? So he's negotiating with me, which I think is a bit of a legend. Not going to lie. Yeah. Deep down, I'm thinking, absolute legend. You should have maybe gone for 50 for all ones. Ones <laughs> yeah. that is. I'd have been going for a one But you got a bit of training to do. Um so yeah so it definitely it it strives them on doesn't it and it's like all of us like when we go to work and we get our money that's why I always think the cost of living at the minute that's why I do think it's really really heartbreaking because people work all month because they want that holiday they want that takeaway they want that treat they want to buy that new car and then there's nothing left yeah and you feel like I'm going for work to survive and I I always think we do need we do we do need treats and we do need to be able to enjoy ourselves as well just to give us that it's only a moment of joy and it doesn't define us but it's nice to have something isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely it's it it makes the the 
the tough bit and the drudgery and the days when you don't want to go to work and when it really feels like it sucks it makes those days be like okay it meant something yeah exactly that it's it is literally heartbreaking because as I say you work all month and funnily enough in my first book I do do something like that it's like the hourly rate it's like work out what you take home per hour after tax and national insurance and then when you go into the shop and you think I'm going to pick that and that up and you don't even think about it and it's a tenner then when, if you worked out that you after tax national insurance and your petrol for example going to work it takes you one hour to earn that 10 pound note you'll then look at that tenner differently and you'll start yeah. valuing it and that's my thing it's like valuing the small things because then those little one things add up like so many of my yeah. friends have said to me yeah i looked at my thing and i'll go like 10 or 20 here 10 there 20 there and actually if i saved all that i could go on that holiday and things like that there's a lot of people now obviously that can't do that as i always say because cost of living has changed things but especially beforehand i do think that people were just like things this and this and this and this because i've had friends say it to me um yeah. and it, it, when you start thinking about how long that takes you to earn that money it does make your mindset completely different that's what i always talk about money as a mindset for a lot mm. of people and it is it's, it's about thinking it's about planning ahead and thinking of all things like that what can i do to save money it's like i love fresh flowers when i moved in here and i wanted like a big decoration so i thought well I'm going to buy fake ones. Yes, I think the display was about £65. I bought really nice ones. But if I'd have bought flowers every single week, it would probably cost yeah. me 20 30 pounds So within like three weeks, I've got my money back. So it's about looking at... I always do that. Look at really, what I call like really rich people's houses like in LA and things like that. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, it's probably real silver, but I'm just going to buy like something for the range or Ikea and um, B&M and places like that and do it up. Um, and it's about, yeah, you can just get ideas, can't you? And yeah that's all it is working yeah. getting ideas and trying to switch things up so, so you can still have nice things but the ways of doing things isn't there yeah absolutely yeah. and so if you have if you were giving advice to somebody to a parent who maybe didn't grow up with like good financial literacy or education like doesn't really feel like they're very well equipped to do this and then wants to teach that to their kids like wants to sort of change the the legacy where would you recommend that they start to look like how would how to start to educate themselves reading a book i mean how how would it start i would say if it was the parent wanting to teach themselves i would say to the actual parent to write everything down their ingoings and outgoings and look at what patterns or bad mm. behaviors they've made have they are they this is those subscriptions they're not cancelling are they letting things run over have they joined like two gyms do they even go to the gym like yeah. are they way over on their car payment every single month when really they can only afford 300 but they bought a car for 700 pounds a month you know have they stretched themselves too much on the mortgage and then maybe it's even showing those bad examples to their child and saying look Mummy really wanted this car, Daddy really wanted this car, but actually, if we'd have sat down and written this out, we'd have seen that it only leaves Mummy and Daddy with £50 a week, whereas if we bought this car, we'd, it left Mummy and Daddy with £200 a week. So it's about yeah. making right choices. So you don't, it's, it's, it's not about even overthinking it and looking at pie charts and all these figures and having spreadsheets or being like that. It's just about sitting down with your kid and, 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 and even showing them where you went wrong. I, I think that's a, it's a good sign. We, we learn from mistakes, don't we? And we can learn from other people's yeah. mistakes as well. Yeah, just being honest and open about all this stuff rather than just hiding it away and some big scary secret thing that they don't yeah. have to know about until they're 18 and then all of a sudden they've got to do it themselves. So, and you've said before, I think that you think, you think that money management should be taught in schools. Tell, yeah. tell us more about that. I mean, I absolutely agree. <laughs> like, uh... I just think like at the moment, the one that like, they still teach like RE, PE, all these things are important, but, and I do think children obviously should exercise and I do think children should learn about other religions, but there's a lot, I mean, I hated sports at school, for example, I'm not particularly interested in religion as, an, as I'm older. Um, 
so what I'm sort of saying is, I suppose I was picking those sort of two subjects, like we're sort of made to sit in those subjects and we should be doing it. But the one thing, the one thing in life that ties every single solitary person together is money. It's the one thing we've all got in common. Mm -hmm. Whether we've got loads of it or we've not got anything, we're all tied together. We all use it day in, day out. We all need it. And a lot of us, most of us want it. Do you see what I mean? It's something that's just, no matter who you are, who you fancy, what your religion is. So I cannot get my head round from senior school from sort of I suppose I used to call it year nine when I was at school I don't know what it's it's not year yeah, nine it's still, anymore it's still year nine now oh is it oh good um, don't feel that old now then <laughs> <laughs> um year nine to, to sort of year 11 we should be teaching them once a month going in and saying right this is what happens when you get your first mortgage when you get, get your first job if you're taking out 1500 mum and dad are taking out this what are you going to do with that extra thousand pounds a month start to make them think about it go well why don't you put away half of it 500 pounds a month because yeah. then you've got six thousand pounds then when you want to buy your first car at 17 you've got your money put away for that or you've got your driving lessons money when you get a mortgage if you get in a house for two hundred thousand pounds you're not actually borrowing £200,000, you're borrowing £300,000. This is just an example, obviously, because you're paying back all the interest. What happens yeah. if you're in debt? If you get a credit card, do you realise that the 0% runs out after a year? If, you, if you're late on a payment, that then blacklists you if you don't pay your mobile phone on time. That can then affect you in three years' time if you then try to buy, get a get finance out for a car if you don't pay your mobile phone because you've got a black mark, you then can't get the, your first car. So this impacts your credit score. Just everyday stuff we need and as you say a lot of parents don't feel comfortable talking to their parents about it and i think it should be once a month should be like this month is good this today's going to be about your first job next month's going to be about interest and compounding interest because your kids started putting away at like 16 to like 60 or whatever this is shown that compounding interest on a small amount can get you like a million showing them what to do with that small amount because so many children aren't going to be on two three hundred grand a year i wasn't i was on 25 those children might you know, ben, they, they would they would so benefit from that. Like I was on such a low income, and I started saving because I was at home, mum and dad. I give them like a little bit of housekeeping, and then the rest was mine. That thousand pounds, I saved eight hundred of it. Okay, I was really extreme. I was really strict. But fifty pound a week for me at that age was absolutely fine, and that's what got me started. Do you see yeah. what I mean? So by the time I was like twenty one, I had thousands put away. Not because I was on a high income. I think I was earning about fifteen, sixteen thousand a year because. I had so much surplus. In later life, you might earn 200,000, but you might only have 500 pound left once you paid all your bills. So I just think it's so important that at 17, we're doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember I actually asked a teacher of mine like a while back when I went back to school to visit. I said, why, why the hell didn't you teach us about paying taxes? Like what you have to do to pay taxes? And to be fair, to his credit, he said, because I don't understand how to pay taxes. So I couldn't teach anyone else, which is fair enough. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but it's I, the little I, things like, so yeah. important right like well, and i think also the dangers of debt is like another one like because the thing is we we all kind of we all kind of get the message that like debt isn't great like it's not ideal but we don't get much of the detail about like things like payday loans or like a anything of the kind of the complicated situations that you can end up getting into and like what you were saying of like you how you have this knock-on effect of like then you can't get your mobile phone contract and then you get your car payment stopped and all that kind of stuff there's not really an awareness. And I was reading a study the other day that was talking about the number of young people, but particularly young women who are in debt um, and who just feel totally overwhelmed by the whole thing and aren't even kind of quite sure how they got there in the first place. And if we started talking about that already in schools, then, then we'd probably be in a much better place overall. 
Yeah, and, and also teaching people about good debts and bad debts. Like I have a credit card. I don't use my yeah. debit card and I get my air miles, but I pay it off bang on time. I use interest-free mm. schemes. So, you know, there's lots of those out there because you've got the free months because I might be getting interest in my bank. So it's about teaching people to be smart with debt. Debt yeah. can be good as in like if you're borrowing it in the right way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't give people these tools, people always shut like, like you've got a credit card. I'm like, yeah, I use my credit card every single month. I don't even use my debit card. I use interest-free <laughs> things all the time because I'm keeping my money and I'm earning three percent on that at the minute in the bank you know so why would i give that over so it's it's about it's so important like there's so many sides to it it isn't just like cut and dry so if we just give them the basics to go out there in the world with i just think we would see such a change overnight even if the teachers don't want to talk about it because they're not maybe qualified or they don't understand it they could employ people to come in i know it's more money and more resources but in the long run it could save the country a lot of money because if everyone was went out there with the Thing, we wouldn't then ha- maybe have to, you know, subsidise things so much if people were given the correct tools and they understood it. So they could send you a financial advisor from a bank each month, different banks. Yeah, or just build up a curriculum. Of yeah, because like, obviously you've got the local about. schools, you could have someone from the bank. Yeah, like, okay, they would have to pay on the government, but pay them to go and do a talk at each school and have an open forum at the end that that child can ask questions against that particular subject that they're talking about, whether that be mortgages your first time or even somebody like myself just going in like other mums going in that could be there's a mum at the school once a month that does it you know at five schools just just as a one off and gives a talk like yeah yeah just think that we need to be doing it like i say it every time i can possibly say it so hopefully someone listens one day (laughs) (laughs) well especially for kids who are like who are slightly older than that and who are thinking about going to university that's also quite a lot of debt to take on i know it's a slightly different type of debt to like but they're making these big decisions that could cost 10 grand a year and i think a lot of kids just get into the are in the mentality of like oh i'll worry about it later like i don't have to think about it now because it's you know it's for university so it counts it doesn't count kind of thing Mm. But actually, it's an opportunity to be like, okay, well, we're talking about kids going to university. Let's also talk about the financial side of what going to university means. Yeah, because exactly that's something I don't know about. I never went to uni. If my kids ask me now, wouldn't have a clue. So let's get yeah. somebody in that's talk, that knows about it. I know that they borrow and then they have to pay it back and they're earning a certain amount a year. But I don't know the ins and outs of it if my child asks. And is it really worth going to university for that particular yeah. skill? And, you know get someone in that knows what they're talking about on it yeah. or even a student that's been to university that's, in, that's got into debt and that didn't feel it was good and then have another student that went did 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 rack up the fees but it's been totally beneficial you know i have two sides yeah. let them let them ha- let them you know, ask the questions and hash it out yeah absolutely all right um so we we came across an interesting thing the other day of like in so in sweden they have a it's like it's also the same actually in the Netherlands where I spend a lot of time but all that people hardly ever handle cash right it's often like contactless payment cards and there are now concerns that kids are struggling to understand how money works because all the transactions are digital and everything's like even your bills just come in straight into your bank account and via email so parents aren't even getting like a bill in the mail anymore so it's all really removed from kids is that something that you you kind of think about or you know what would you think about that definitely it's going to be a lot harder visually and i do think we're going to have to teach our kids like that because i think by the time they are growing up probably everything will be digital you know look how fast the world moves so we definitely need to be teaching them but there is there's things like go henry and that out there um Mm. which is great for the kids so like brody's got that for example there's there's lots of different companies um and you can then give them a physical card and then they can actually 
see it on their iPads and it will say like there's £50 left in this account, there's £10 left in this account. So every time they do touch their card, they can see that number going down. Um, yeah. So I think at the moment it's still important to, sh- to show cash of them because we're still dealing with it in the UK. But I yeah. also think it's important to, when they're getting to sort of age 10, 11, 12, introducing some kind of card that you've got mm-hmm. control over. Like that, Brody can't, he can only spend what's on it. So even if he went in, yeah. he's always with me anyway, he's 10. But, you know, if he was in a couple <laughs> of years, he's out of his friends and he wants to buy something for 300 quid, he can't charge that card because it's got what he's earned on it. Do you see what I mean? And we yeah, put yeah. money on that because of his rules. So he's he's got that at the moment as a bit of a, there's not much on it, there's a, yeah, I think 20, 30 quid on it, you know. Yeah. But it's it, when he goes out, in fact, he's forgotten it the last couple of times. He's like, oh, I forgot my go Henry. I forgot my go Henry. So he actually quite likes having it with him. So I mean, that's mm. something we introduced the last over the last year. Um, and he gets, I think, I think I put five pound a month on it. But he's built yeah. that up because he said to me he wants to buy shocker Robux with it. Um, <laughs> Prime or Robux is basically all he wants because he's a ten-year-old boy. Um, of course. Ask what these are. Sorry to show my age. What's yeah? So basically, it's a game called Road. Road road blocks and okay. you can buy road bucks for the game. They're the biggest con I think in the history of anything, and they burn within <laughs> about one second. And I will never buy them these because I just think they're a terrible waste of money. But basically, they are obsessed with them because it builds up their avatar. This is yep. what he tells me. Basically, so the avatar could then get wings, or the avatar might be able to have a hammer, or the avatar might be able to fly and. You have to pay for this. So, as I say, I wish I'd invented it because we'd be gazillionaires because they'd have to so much money from Robux. You're just buying an image. Yeah, it's absolute nonsense. So, like, in years to come, he'll realise the waste of money this was and realise why I said no all the time. But at the moment, it's like, oh, I've got to work it out himself. Yeah. But so, like, he's like, oh, my God, please give me Robux. And I'm like, no. But, like, <laughs> every day he still asks me, can I have Robux? No, and even last, because I know you're going to say no, like that, and I'm like, yeah, why are you asking me then? So, but obviously that's his thing that he really, really wants. And again, it's a something that's a pleasure. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It's like buying a pair of sunglasses for us or whatever. It's a pleasure that we want to enjoy. And at his age, that's what he enjoys, was having a KSI Prime and watching his Robux. He's in heaven, do you know what I mean? Like, if you yeah. came around my house with a bottle of KSI Prime, which is a drink, and you gave Brody £10 Robux, you would literally be the best person in the world. <laughs> That's what I'm going to have to find out more about this. Oh, just <laughs> Google Prime KSI to drink and Robux for okay. kids. Okay. That's one of the conversations I used to have about Pokemon cards, actually, the first time around. Yeah, it's exactly, it's basically like that. There's always a trend in, isn't there, that they want. Yeah. So yeah. there's always going to be something that you save up for and get. So, yeah, he wants to save up his Go Henry because he wants to buy... <laughs> Robux. Good for him. Might as well burn my money alive. (laughs) Set fire to it as I speak. Yeah. But it's great because there's there there is a lot of stuff that you can find online. I mean lots of it's lots of the budgeting apps and stuff are geared towards adults, but like there are stuff there is stuff like Go Henry for kids so that they can see they can kind of manage their money some or, or at least observe their money and how it's all working yeah and it shows you can put things on like do this chore and i'll give you two pounds so they can log into their like ipads because a lot of them have got, i mean my kids have got ipads um and a lot of children do have them now don't they and they can log in and Bradley can log into his go henry app and he can say like if you do this chore well it's two pounds and things like that so oh great yeah so it's good i might start just putting loads on for 50p a go and get the whole house freedom yeah exactly paint a room and it's one pound fifty so um 
I think we're, we're sort of wrapping up now. Is there any other advice that you have for parents and kids and like to do with money? I mean, it sounds like like follow you on social media because I looked on your I looked on your Instagram and you've got loads of like small tips and little things that you can think about. But presumably it's about kind of finding resources that you can look at and social media, books, like podcasts, other things. National that Debt Helpline, Citizens Advice. You've got Step okay. Change if you're in debt. They're really good organisations that I say to go to. Yeah, on my Instagram, if you go into my highlights and you see money tips, I've been doing them for two years and I, I try mm. and put one on every single solitary day or at least every other day. So if you go back over the two years, there's so many, not just the reels in the main section, it's saved in my highlights. Okay. Um, uh, so there's lots of different things obviously some of them might not be relevant now because the deal's expired but if you go through them there's going to be lots and lots of tips and hacks and and talking and looking at every everything you do allow three days before you do it if you are unsure like go on find the product leave it in the basket if you're buying something so i think it's a really good tip firstly if you don't buy it in 24 hours a lot of the time the companies then send you an email with a 20 percent or a 10 percent off voucher yeah saying you've left this in your baskets so that's a good one um i've got lots of useful tips on there like install honey into your browser because every time you check out it searches the web for voucher codes um mm. and finds you the cheapest deal there's i mean i've got so many on there like using google flights there's just tips for everybody for everything for everyday life but yeah if you are in debt i always say like step change and it's a really good organization to go and speak to um if just to get a plan in place and i've sent so many people over there and they have come back to me and it's free as well um okay. and said wow this is amazing i've now i feel like a weight's been lifted i've still got my debt but i've now got a plan and i yeah i can put one foot in front of the other and sleep at night which is what i really really want from everybody i don't want anyone yeah. feeling that their life's money's worth Paralyzed. more than their life because it's not that's yeah. the main thing really yeah definitely it's all manageable it's just about having a plan and education yeah all right well let's finish off with the question that we ask everybody which is what do you wish you had known about being a parent before you became one or what's something that's that as a parent you'd like to know more about you can also how to i suppose how to deal with tantrums when the kids are out and not being judged and feeling in a panic mm would be a good one yeah. because I know everyone goes through it when your child is like going through it you look around and none of the other kids are playing up at that moment in time and I yeah. thought <laughs> I always think like why is it mine or and then they'll have been good all day indoors and you take them out and then they'll do something and you feel like everyone's judging you and I know yeah. that that's probably in my head but I reckon loads of us mums feel the same like what do you do with like a two three four year old when they just have an absolute meltdown because you said no they're not allowed it 85 marshmallows in their hot chocolate and they're allowed two just <laughs> i suppose yeah guidance on that like how to how to cope when you're out maybe that's because i'm anxious but that would be a good thing to know no i think that's something that like quite a few people have mentioned to us we do listener questions on the podcast as well and somebody mentioned like being really worried about taking her kid on an airplane specifically for that of like what happens if my kid throws a nutty in in a plane yeah <laughs> And it's just it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing and difficult and complicated and yeah. Yeah. And lots I think lots of parents get anxious yeah. about it. All right. Thank you so much, Gemma, for being with us. Where can people find you online if they want to uh, learn more about what you do? Certainly. So it's Money Mum Official. I'm on Instagram and I'm on TikTok. Um, so you can find me on there and give me a follow. It would be great. And obviously I've got my books, uh, Save Yourself Happy, which is a all-rounded guide about how I started full of useful tips and then we've also brought out um the money journal which is a planner to help you plan your year out so i've got two books 
Awesome. We will reference those in the show notes as well, everyone, so you can find them there as well. All right, Gemma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've had a great time. Thank you for having me. All right. We just want to apologize to everyone for a couple of audio glitches on that last podcast. We were having a bit of a uh, a technology nightmare. So you might not really hear that much from uh, Ruth because uh, her microphone kept cutting in and out the whole way through. But we hope you enjoyed it anyway. Um, And you were listening, weren't you, Mum? What did you think? I was listening and I found it absolutely fascinating. Really, really, really interesting. I mean, Gemma's a, a real inspiration. But the thing that I particularly liked was the way she described for herself making choices and making a decision about what were the thing, what was it that was really important and focusing her saving around being able to achieve that for herself, but also then thinking about you know, her helping her children or her son, particularly, to make his own choices and have some autonomy. So that even at times when money had been tight, it was still the child's choice to make decisions about about how money his money got spent, even if it was things that perhaps she didn't value or, you know, she didn't think they were important. They were his choices and she respected that. And I thought that was a great um, a, a great way to approach things. Yeah, agreed. I thought it was a really, really interesting podcast. All right. I think we've got time for a listener question. Um, And I think we've got one um, which links back to our podcast on planning an educational day out. Do you want to read it? Sure. So the question is, I was listening to your episode about planning an educational day out and really enjoyed it. However, I've got two really different kids. One is six, the other is nine, and they're very different personalities. One is loud and energetic and loves running around outside. The other is quiet and shy and prefers to be indoors. So how can I find an educational day out that will suit both of them? One of them wants to go to a museum and the other wants to go to Go Ape. So, Laura, it seems to me that this is your childhood. Um, (laughs) Tell us what you think about this based on, you know, your research and your your experiences, but also your memories of what it was like when you were the quiet, um, (laughs) who wanted to go to the museum and had a brother who wanted to run around and do crazy stuff. (laughs) Yes, in case anyone was in any doubt, I was the quiet child in this scenario. (laughs) Um, I did like being outside. I did not like being outside when my brother was running around screaming, chasing the pigeons and causing chaos for everyone. Um, that's my least favorite type of outdoor time so um, (laughs) yeah I mean I think I mean you know I dealt with it it was fine Um, I think it does help if the quieter child is a little bit more autonomous and can be kind of left to their own devices I'm older than my brother so that was a little bit easier for me Um, while you were kind of monitoring him running around somewhere screaming like a lunatic or trying to um, urinate inside buildings, which is a particular memory of mine from my childhood. Um, I could sit somewhere quietly and read a book. Or <laughs> I could um, I could sit quietly and read a book somewhere. Um, and it was fine because I was uh, almost three years older than him. Um, so that does make things a bit easier. I mean, I think what I would say is there are spaces that can cater to both kids lots of national trust places will have like outdoor stuff and indoor stuff um that where you can kind of combine activities have a little bit of one have a little bit of another or leave a kid um in one place sort of vaguely unsupervised um while you're watching the other one 
even even museums like i'm thinking of the horniman museum have outdoor spaces or the london transport museum have outdoor spaces as well as indoor spaces so you can kind of mix and match those things and lots of museums do have much more interactive activities nowadays like i think you've been to the story museum haven't you mom in oxford yeah which is just brilliant and and that's exactly right actually there are things that um you know a lively child who needs lots of stimulation can can sit and do but there are also quiet little thoughtful corners where you can sit and imagine that you're in narnia or you know wherever which is really magical exactly so i think it you know it it doesn't just have to be that they only like running around it's just that they might need a different level of stimulation than say being in the tape modern or something like that where it's very quiet and you probably don't want a screaming child running around the turbine hall then i guess the other thing i would say is like this is also a good lesson for kids to learn to compromise yeah i i certainly remember negotiating deals this is what Laura wants to do now so let's do this for half an hour and then we'll go and we'll chase pigeons or whatever you know whatever was on was on offer I I mean the trouble is that often the younger the younger child or even the more uh, active impulsive child sometimes doesn't understand how deals quite work yeah (laughs) yes I'll accept the bit of the deal where I get what I want but no I'm not doing the bit where I have to compromise and and put up with something that isn't my ideal but as you say that's an important learning experience and, and part of cooperation and thinking about other people yeah absolutely and I mean the other thing that you can do if if there's two parents or two adults available is you can split off for a bit as well or even plan separate days out so one parent can take one kid somewhere, another parent can take the other kid somewhere. And sometimes that's really, really enjoyable for kids to have some one-on-one time with a parent or a grown-up so that they don't have to compromise with what they want to do. They just get to do the thing that they want to do. Yeah, yeah, there, there is some. I mean, it's a bit of a luxury to, you know, Absolutely. In, in not all situations do you have two adults who, who can get involved in that sort of thing. But um, I, I can remember situations where I would ask granny to take to take you so that i could go off and look at frogs with with your brother um yeah you know so so it doesn't even just have to be the parents it can be you know friends family um you know doing a swap and it also doesn't have to be a full day out either it can be half an hour within within a broader day out yeah um okay hopefully that answered it Um, All right. I think we are at the end of the podcast for today. Thank you again to Gemma, the money mum. Such a great conversation. As always, if you have any listener question for us that you want us to read out, either with your name or anonymously, just get in touch with us via our Instagram page or our Facebook page. Let's talk about parenting. Um, We're always really happy to answer as many questions as we possibly can. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe, like, review, send over to your friends, anything that you can do with it, do it. Um, We we really love to, to read those reviews. So that's all for us for now. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. The Let's Talk About Parenting podcast is sponsored by Questa Kids, an online educational game for kids aged 7 to 12. Questa Kids follows Questa and Zeke on a journey around the world, traveling through time, and teaches children about geography, history, maths, culture, and plenty more. Questa Kids makes learning fun. So sign up today at questakids.com for a free 30-day trial. You can also get 15% off with the code Let's Talk About.